The presenting sponsor of the Matt Mosley Show is Central National Bank, your leading independent bank with locations in Waco, Temple, and Austin. Also sponsored by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram, Barnett Contracting, Baylor Line Foundation, Coach's Barbecue Smokehouse, Ascension Providence, Camp Fimfo Waco, The Baylor Club, Myatt Fuels, Schmoltz's Sandwich Shop, Versalive Southwest Time Manufacturing, and UBO Business Services. And now, here's Matt Mosley. What well, is Matt Mosley? Thanks to all our proud sponsors, and they're especially proud, boy, especially Central National Bank when we have this uh, following guest on. Aaron, I don't even know. Do we have special music for him today? I mean, this is really interesting. Uh, we do have none other than Kevin Longquist on with us today. Kevin uh, Kevin always makes a graceful entry. And, uh, Aaron, let's kill the music if we can. Um, but, uh, oh, there we go. There we go. Uh, and, Kevin, uh, great to have you. Big weekend of college football. I don't know. You've told me I can't mention one game, and I was excited because I, <laughs> I was just reading about, uh, about a, uh, a big-time um, donor from your alma mater and, and, and you know feeling what, like Matt, he was stabbed in the back. And, okay, Matt, if you just want to go ahead and bring it up, just rip the Band-Aid and do it, okay? Because I, I knew you couldn't resist, so just go ahead and get it out of your system. Yeah, I mean, if you ask me not to do something, I'm like a little kid. I'm exact. I'm going to do it right away. And, right. Uh, Kevin, your alma mater, SMU Mustangs, like a scorned lover, loses Sonny Dykes <laughs> over to TCU. And, and, boy, this is a sellout. People are spending tons of money on these seats. The place holds 32000 Yeah, You're going to get as many jammed into that place as possible. First of all, Kevin, are you, are you going to be able to attend and go, and go take part in what should be quite a spectacle? And, by the way, Sonny Dykes, the TCU head football coach, not bringing his wife and kids to the game out of fear that something could happen. Now, I feel like they could put them in a suite. They'd probably be fine. But uh, <clears throat> I got to say, I'm, I'm, I'm proud that the people would even fear an SMU fan base that, for the most part, does not seem that scary. Well, it, it would be unprecedented for that to happen. But, you know, it's a pretty tense atmosphere for what how it ended for him over at SMU and, of course, uh, what's expected on Saturday morning. Uh, I got a little bit of a conflict uh, since Baylor's playing at the same time, so I'm going to have to just uh, ride the wave and do my best as far as I like, going back and forth a little bit with commercial breaks and that sort of thing. But, you know, I, I think the way that just, even though we're t- going to talk Baylor here in just a few moments, I just think that the tone for this game is probably, as, just from what I know of it, has just been as lively over at SMU than I can ever recall there ever has been anticipation for a game and keep in mind i don't think the, i don't think they've played tcu in their building since what maybe 2018 because the last two meetings have been over at amon carter and there are a lot of hard feelings but then you you look at the fact that you know they are they did announce back in the spring that there's about a hundred million dollar project that's going to go up in the south end zone of uh, ford stadium and by all accounts it looks like it's going to be fully funded by uh, 
from what it, from from what I've been reading up here, there's going to be some sort of special announcement tomorrow night. And I think it's just a way of for I think as far as where SMU is concerned that they want to put their best face forward, and they want to try you know and they're trying to position themselves, Matt, as you know, they're trying to put position themselves to where a P5 school will look at them and take them seriously as a potential candidate with all this realignment potentially taking place over the next couple of years. Now, is that going to happen? I don't know. I think from SMU standpoint. They've got to win, and they've got to win games like this. And they had an opportunity last week against Maryland, and I got a chance to watch that last week after I got home covering the Texas State game. And, you know, they had an opportunity and they missed it. And so now the question is, is how do they bounce back? I don't think it's going to get hard for them to bounce back when your arch rival's coming over across uh, the Metroplex to play you. I mean, for a guy who didn't want to talk about it, I mean, you had some good points to make. My goodness. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Kevin Longquist, a uh, an S a proud SMU graduate, did well over there. Beautiful campus. Years ago, I graduated from there. What a gorgeous campus that is! I would say, if I was going to try to say who has the prettiest campuses in Texas, uh, I would go Baylor and SMU are right there at the top. After that, I'd probably go with. Uh, I don't know. I just think Baylor and SMU are kind of stand out. TCU's okay. I, I think TCU's okay. Texas is just such a sprawling, huge campus. It's hard for me to – I just still don't even – all these years of spending time in Austin, I don't have a great sense of it. Um, uh, it sounds like you've got beep. You've got things going off there, Kevin. Okay, no, Kevin no, Longquist from Rivals.com on with us. Now, Kevin, uh, Bears will be – in Ames, Iowa, the last road game was a body clock nine fifteen start. Uh, this is a body clock. What are, what are the Iowa people? They got? Do they have our same time zone? This is they is this a true eleven eleven a.m. body clock game? This is a, a one extreme to the other. Kevin, as you kind of uh, have gathered, and, and hopefully Baylor has some players coming back, will be ready to go. Are you expecting? A much more comfortable, like, like, and again, that doesn't mean they won't make some mistakes. But that, even the head coach said Baylor was rattled by that environment at BYU. Do you expect a completely different response in this one? I would like to think that we're going to see something different from them. I mean, it's like you know, Matt, you and I talked about this post BYU was. It was good for them to go through that because they now are going to understand what it is they're going to have to be dealing with with hostile environments like games on Saturday in Norman in November. Same thing with Austin, more than likely. And then, of course, they're going to Morgantown uh, on their next road trip after Ames. And, you know, it, it's, it's how you deal with it. And if for whatever reason we hear from Dave or the players post-game that the crowd got to them again, then I would say, all right, something's not being handled internally to, to channel this and, and put this in the right perspective. Because you have to understand that, again, no one's going to be in favor of your team to win the game, my, except with the exception of the cheering section of fans that bought the seats that came up to Ames or just happened to live, Baylor loves it, just happened to live fairly nearby and wanted to make the drive over or whatever as well as those that are standing on the sideline. And that's where summoning your own energy, tuning out the noise, are going to be essential for them. 
and playing well. Now, what, what's going to have to happen for them, Matt, aside from getting guys coming back, looks like good news for Monterey Baldwin. Hopefully there's good news with Ben Sims. You know, it, but it really comes down to this whole team just playing better because it's really going to be dictated by their fronts on where their offensive and defensive lines are playing. And they've been kind of up and down to this point. And they need to get those two position groups in a far better spot than what we've seen for the first three weeks. Yeah, I I agree. And I, I like that, uh, that Dave Aranda was so upfront with, hey, we've got to be more violent with our offensive line. I mean, he has not held no. back. This was supposed to be one of the best offensive lines in the country, and he has not mm-hmm. been totally pleased to this point. And he maybe in the second half started to see more of that. You mentioned some of the, um, the skill players. Richard Reese came into our lives. Um, you follow recruiting very closely. I, th- I believe this young man is from Belleville, Texas. Out there, eh, not too far outside of Houston, I guess, is where Belleville would be. Um, And and by the way, do you know what they call it when Richard Reese finds a cutback lane against the Iowa State uh, uh, defense on Saturday? You know what that'll be called? Uh, I want you to tell me, Matt. I'm all ears. Reese's creases. Oh, gosh. Did, did Did you get a rim shot for that? I, I mean, it just, it just came to me as we were talking oh my there. God. Okay, okay, give me, give me, give me real quick. <laughs> give me a no, but seriously, Richard Reese, Belleville, Texas. What did we know about him? And are, are you? Do you feel like this guy is going to get like the? We thought Tay McWilliams might emerge as the so-called yeah. bell cow. Now that we've seen Reese perform like he did, is this kind of the leader in the clubhouse type guy to be the uh, to be the lead back? Well, it kind of looks that way, and you know, for no reasons that that Taken uh, has control over, because it sounds like he won't be available Saturday unless something changes here over the next forty-eight hours. But uh, really, if you look at the way Richard played, and really he didn't do anything against BYU two weeks ago, recall. And he was pretty decent in the opener against Albany, But I think he just, for some reason, he just had a good week of practice going into Texas State, played well. And and for me, it seemed like the 52-yard touchdown run, early moments of the fourth quarter, jump-started him, jump-started the team. And even though, you know, Baylor was never in any threat to lose this game, as we all know, it was just a, something that needed a kickstart. And you needed a, a back that was going to serve notice that, I can handle this. Now, he was going against a Texas State defense that, not that great. It's okay, but it's a G5 program, and you should handle them like Baylor eventually did. So now it's going to be a different animal against a defense like Iowa State that's got pretty good linebackers, one of the best defensive linemen in the country, and Will McDonald the fourth. And it's a team that's only averaging or allowing only 200, about 37 yards a game, 234, something like that. And even though Iowa State hasn't played the best competition, even though they won at Iowa, this is a game, Matt, I think overall that both the Bears and the Cyclones really want to know who they are and what can they be based on what this game. It's almost like what we saw last year when Iowa State came down here, basically the opening game of the Big 12 season last year. Okay, and and, uh, Kevin Longquist from Rivals. Uh, dot com. You can find him uh, on Twitter at Sikkim Sports at Sikkim Sports. Now this is the first game 
that Iowa State will play without Brock Purdy since uh, Kevin about 2007, I think. Um, this will be uh, <laughs> yeah. this this will be interesting. The young uh, Deckers, I believe it is, uh, uh, steps in. Tell me what you've been able to gather about the Iowa State offense. I mean, they did beat Iowa, although Iowa right now uh, appears to have one of the worst offenses in Big Ten history. Um, yeah. What are you th- What are you kind of hearing and seeing? From this, uh, from this Iowa State quarterback, I keep wanting to call him young, but I don't, I don't know how long he's been there waiting behind Brock Purdy. He's a redshirt sophomore, Hunter Decker's big kid, left-hander. Uh, he's had a, he's had a very good start for them. He's, a, he's completed about seventy-five percent of his passes, eight touchdowns. Interceptions are a bit of an issue. He's thrown three of those this year, and you know, and he's obviously developed a great count. He's got a great alpha receiver in Xavier Hutchinson who was already a preseason Big 12 uh, selection anyway. And Xavier's been a big help for him to kind of get the passing game off the ground. And so, you know, he's got a lot of confidence going in this. And, again, this is going to be another test for a Baylor secondary that's been okay, not great against BYU, but okay. And, didn't, and you know, they had some issues last week against uh, Texas State until the front, the defensive line got better. But, again, this all goes back to – Matt, what the defensive line can do to help the secondary. And we saw the tale of two halves against uh, uh, Texas State last week where the front didn't get the push that it needed, and you saw Lane Hatcher just basically carve Baylor up going 17 of 21 in the first half, including that touchdown right before the end of the half. Then you saw the, the pressure getting a little bit better. They got a couple sacks. They got a couple hurries. You know, Oppo had a couple of tip passes at the line of scrimmage, and that helped out the secondary. It's a bit. It, it's no secret that if your front plays well, your secondary is going to play well. But if your second, but if your front can't get a push, and when you got a young secondary like Baylor's got, they're going to be left on an island. And that's what Baylor's got to create against Deckers is get after him, make him as uncomfortable as possible, so that he can throw the air, or that he will throw the air and pass, or he'll have to throw it away and live for another down, or they're going to have to just give it up on possessions where they might have been gaining some success, that sort of thing. That's what Baylor's defense has to do, especially from the front Saturday morning, early Saturday afternoon. All right. It's interesting hearing you talk about that because, you know, Purdy – really all throughout his career, he would make the back-breaking mistake from time to time. He really had a tremendous sure. career, but uh, but that was something you kind of would see him do from time to time. Matt Campbell right. le- leaned on him, and he was an enormous part of the success of that program, so it'll be fascinating to see if they can kind of keep moving on. And by the way, Matt Campbell also, uh, and again, he's been up for a lot of head coaching positions, but his name is yeah. being mentioned uh, heavily for Nebraska, and, uh, and and that's about as great as they could do. I that if they if Matt Campbell couldn't turn that job around uh, Nebraska, then they, they nobody can. And Leipold's name's coming up as well. Yeah, right. And I think Bill O'Brien, the <laughs> Alabama offensive coordinator, yeah. I think those are like the three big names that they've zeroed in on for that job. I mean, look, the reality is just to divert for a second. The reality is with the Nebraska job is that you've got to try and find a way to get back from get back into Texas and start recruiting heavily because that program got cut off from this state once it left the Big 12 for the Big 10. Yeah. Well, maybe they need to get back into the Big 12. <laughs> See what they can do. <laughs> Let them back in. Uh, Kevin, look forward to, um, uh, you know, we'll have to see. Now, what you could do is 
because you like to tweet during the Baylor games because that's kind of part of your gig. So you could watch the Baylor game live and and then not let yourself hear anything about the SMU TCU game and then watch it, you know, later uh, without knowing the <laughs> I don't final think that's score. Not, I don't think that's realistic based on the call of the scores that are going to be going on at the bottom. So I, 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 that that's never worked for me in the past, Matt. So it's not going to work this coming Saturday either. But. Based on the fact that Ted Ganji or somebody like that will be texting you yeah. during the game, or one of the Probably, one of your old yeah. SMU yeah. pals, or Whitmire, or somebody. All right, uh, Kevin. Always good to visit with you. I hope you'll be able to SMU TCU always uh, allows you to to get back with old, some of your old fraternity brothers and and do some of those keg stands. So that'll be a that'll be a great time. Kevin, uh, sure, take sure. it easy. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Sounds good, Matt. Listen, thank you very much. Boy, I feel like we missed. Okay, Kevin. I feel like we missed out on one last thing Kevin was going to say, but uh, we'll just have to save that for a rainy day. Uh, Aaron, 